0: You have your Bibles, Joshua chapter 24, beginning in verse 16, and I want you to stand. Last week, we talked about, about, as for me and my house. So you see the title up here, you know, the Bible says, Joshua challenged the people, and he said, I challenge you to serve the Lord, I challenge you to remember the Lord, I challenge you to choose the Lord. You remember, we talked about that last week. And now we're going to see that the people, after Joshua's great challenge, they respond. And I want us to see what that response is. So Joshua 24, beginning in verse, what do I have here, verse 16 or verse 14? Verse 14, all right? The Bible says here, now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worshiped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, Joshua says, then choose for yourselves is they whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Now we we dealt with all of that last week and we laid out how Joshua made that commitment, and here's the commitment we were making. Then the people answered they responded far be it from us to forsake the lord to serve other gods it was the lord our god himself who brought us who brought us and our parents out of egypt from the land of slavery and performed those great signs before our eyes he protected us on our entire journey and among all the nations through which we traveled and the lord drove out before us all the, before us all the nations including the amorites who lived in the land we too will serve the Lord because He is our God. And notice Joshua has not finished challenging them. And this may seem odd to you, what he says here, but I'm going to explain that to you as we go on. Joshua said to the people, you are not able to serve the Lord. He is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your rebellion and your sins. He won't. Again, we'll talk about it. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, He will turn and bring disaster on you and make an end of you after He has been good to you. But the people said to Joshua, No, we will serve the Lord. Joshua said, You are witnesses against yourself that you have chosen to serve the Lord. Yes, we are witnesses, they replied. Now then, said Joshua, throw away the foreign gods that are among you and yield your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua, We will serve the Lord our God and obey Him. On that day Joshua made a covenant for the people, and there at Shechem he reaffirmed for them decrees and laws. And Joshua recorded these things in the book of the law of God. Then he took a large stone and set it up there under the oak near the holy place of the Lord. See, he said to all the people, this stone will be a witness against us. It has heard all the words the Lord has said to us. It will be a witness against you if you are untrue to your God. Then Joshua dismissed the people, each to their own inheritance. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you that we have a people here that responded to the message and responded to the challenge. And We see the way they responded. So Father, help us to be like Israel at this moment in time in their lives. When they responded to the Word of God and said, yes, we want to follow God. Yes, we want to serve Him. Yes, we want to obey Him. Count us in. And I thank You for Your Word. Help us to see what our response should be. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. So let's look at how the people responded, okay? Four things that they basically did. Number one, they said that the Lord performed for us. So when they responded, not only did they say we will serve the Lord, but they gave their reasonings for why they were going to serve the Lord. They said the Lord performed for us. Now, not in a way that you and I would think, not some kind of acting performance, but it says here in verse 17, he says, it was the Lord our God Himself who brought us out of, uh, uh, out of Egypt from the land of slavery, and perform those great signs before our eyes. So not only is the leader of the nation reminding them about what God had done for them and why they should serve the Lord, but now they, the people, the leaders of the people are responding to Joshua. They're responding back to the challenge that he gave to them. And they're saying, hey Joshua, we know the history too, and we can tell you, and we remember what God has done for us, and we remember that He performed these amazing signs. I mean, we, we, were, we were there, some of us, well, not many of us, but, but our ancestors were there when God opened the Red Sea for us, and we were able to walk through dry ga- ground. We remember seeing the entire Egyptian army that was coming after us, and how God devoured them with the water of the Red Sea. We remember how God did amazing things for us, providing for us in the wilderness. We remember those of us who just crossed in through the Jordan, how God got us through the Jordan River. We remember how we took Jericho without firing a shot. We remember all of these things. The Lord performed these things, and we're going to tell you how we're going to respond. We're responding this way. We know what God did for us. Secondly, they say, the Lord protected us. Second part of verse 17, 17b says, and He protected us on our entire journey and among all the nations through which we traveled. You know, guys, traveling in the ancient Near East back in those days was very, very dangerous. A lot more dangerous than it is to travel in the modern day. Very dangerous. And God protected them throughout the peoples they went through. He protected them. Look, you and I have to realize this. If we're going to serve God, we're going to be put in some dangerous positions sometimes. And we have to trust that God will protect us. I mean, I think about all the mission trips we've been on over the years. And I know that many churches and many people have gone on mission trips and bad things have happened to them. And there's no guarantee that, all, that, that we're always going to have that that fortune for us, because it may be in God's plan to use somebody as a martyrer for His glory. I mean, you think about in Ecuador back in the fifties, Jim Elliot and Nick Saint, and those people who were slain by the um, by the Acre- Indians as they were trying to reach them, and it was all because of a rumor that had spread between same old sin. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter uh, what the cultures are like, um, but uh, there were there was. Uh, a young lady from one tribe and a young man from another tribe who were hooking up together and, and, and the leaders of the tribe wanted to find out what was going on and, and they blamed the Americans who had come and so they went and speared them to death and killed them. And as it turned out over time that the very man who killed those missionaries was converted and now is a missionary himself to his own people. So, the Lord sometimes allows us to go through things, but you think about all the mission trips we've gone through, and and, and on. God has protected us from amazing things. And not only that, but He has provided for us. So, number three, He not only protected them through their journey, but He provided for them. Verse 18, says, and the Lord drove out before us all the nations, including the Amorites who lived in the land. And so because of that, we will serve the Lord. The Lord drove those folks out. He provided the land flowing with milk and honey for these people. He provided while they were in the wilderness in disobedience to God for 40 years, He provided food for them. And it's the modern day equivalent of Krispy Kreme donuts. It was manna. It was a, it was a flaky, sweet, pastry that was on the ground. Just like when you and I wake up in the morning and there's dew on the grass, they would wake up in the morning and there was Krispy Kreme on the grass. They had food that was provided from heaven. And they remembered how God had provided for them. And then because because of that, they committed to Him. That's the fourth thing I want you to see here. That the people responded. And so because of that, They committed to him. So in the second part of verse 18, it says, and we too will serve the Lord because he is our God. So they made a commitment to him. So Joshua, in turn, listened to all of that. And he had some reason to be a little cautious with their verbal commitment. He had seen, because he was one of the spies, he had seen years before, 40 years before, what had taken place when Moses sent 12 spies into the promised land while they were in the wilderness. They were in between the Red Sea and the Jordan River, waiting to inherit the land that God had promised Moses. And Moses sent these spies, and Joshua and Caleb were the only two who came back with an obedient report, a positive report. The rest came back and said, oh man, there are giants in the land, and we'll never be able to take the land. And there was fear that that took over. And then those 10 who came back with a negative report said this, said, We need to appoint us a new leader and go back to Egypt. In other words, what they said was we would rather give up our freedom to be under the subjugation of the tyrants of Egypt, because at least we knew what we had. Isn't that kind of modern day America today? We're willing to give up our freedom for a little bit of safety, what we consider to be safety. But yet, two of those spies said, no, 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 no. We went, and it wasn't our job to see whether or not we could take the land. It was our job to come back and give a report. And God says, let's go. It's ours. It's there, Man, they're carrying grapes. It takes two men to carry. What do you call it? Uh, not a stalk of grapes. Um, huh? Say it loud. Vine, whatever. Yeah, okay. Maybe I'm... A cluster, that's what I was looking for, a cluster of grapes. Said there are giants in the land. So Joshua knew the spirit of the people. Joshua was there when Moses went to receive the Ten Commandments, and Moses comes back, and they had taken all the gold and silver, and they had formed for themselves a golden calf and they began to worship the calf they they had committed idolatry so joshua knew what what the the propensity of the people's spirits were very short patience that they had and they forget they have a short memory they don't remember what god has done for them so so joshua you can see was a little hesitant maybe to to trust their word and so he says this to them he gives them a challenge and the first thing he does in the challenge in verse 19 is He basically reminds them of the character of God. He says, you're going to make this commitment? Remember this. Now he says this, Joshua said to the people, you are not able to serve the Lord. He is a holy God. You say, what does that mean? You and I are not able to serve the Lord. But when push comes to shove, our flesh usually takes over. And so what Joshua was reminding them is that on your own, with your own words, you don't have the ability to do it. You've got to remember who you're serving, and you've got to remember who you have to depend on. And then he says here, he says, He is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your rebellion and your sins. Oh my gosh. I thought God does forgive sins. Yes, He does. But if you read the rest of it, He says, he says here that He will turn and bring disaster on you and make an end of you after He has been good to you in other words you've tasted of the goodness of god all my life he's been faithful to me and yet you still choose to rebel against him there are consequences but hold on guys don't don't put the second part yet don't put number two yet remember the character of god i want to read this to you out of um the new american commentary It says here, Joshua's statement that Israel was not capable of serving the Lord introduces a deep paradox, so it seems here. One that this theologian Butler calls perhaps the most shocking statement in the Old Testament. Joshua had just urged Israel in verses 14-15 through to serve the Lord with all faithfulness, and he had done so in passionate terms. He also laid out what appeared to be a true choice for the people, and yet now when the people responded that they would do so, He turned the tables on them and stated that they were not capable of doing so. Furthermore, he stated that God himself would not forgive their rebellion and sin. These were harsh words indeed. But the key to understanding these statements comes in two other statements that Joshua made, which affirmed two of God's defining characteristics He is a holy God and He is a jealous God. Both of these characteristics are part of God's very nature and set him apart from all other gods who are false, and from his people. In Leviticus 19, 2, the Israelites are urged to be holy because because of God's own holy nature. Be holy because I, the Lord your God, am holy. So God's jealous nature also set him apart from the other gods. They were jealous among themselves, displaying endless petty rivalries. However, God's jealousy played itself out with the consequences being visited on his people when they were unfaithful. This was and is part of God's very nature. He would He would not brook any competition for his people's loyalty. And this is clear in Exodus 20, verses 4 through 6. You shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven, above, or on earth, beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of their fathers to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commands. So he notes that God loves His people so much that He wants their undivided love in return, and He will not share them with any other God. So, what Joshua is reminding them about is this. These words you're saying that you're going to serve God, God is not someone to be played around with. So what do you mean, Pastor? How do we play around? I'll tell you how we play around with God. Those of us who know better, those of us who know that He's a forgiving God, when, when we believe the lie that says, well, you know, you can continue to do that anyway. God's going to forgive you anyway. See, that's spirit of Lucifer. That's the lie where Satan said to Eve, and what well, Eve said to the, the, the serpent if we eat of that tree, we, we shall die. That's what God said. And, and, and Satan says to them, You shall not surely die. You can't believe everything God says. Do you, you believe God really meant that? It's an allegory. It's, you know That's not going to happen. Oh, you're a good... You don't believe that Jesus is the only way, right? Because there are a lot of good people, and if we're just sincere, God will accept us all when we get to heaven. God's surely going to look at you and think that you're good. You're better than other people, and so therefore, your goodness is going to get you into heaven. Remember, my friend, Satan will lie to us. It's serious business when we make a commitment to God. and We need to remember the character of God. So When you say, I'm giving my heart to Christ, and I'm following Him in believers' baptism, and I want to live for Him, let me just say something to you. You're not just going through a religious exercise, my friend. You are saying that you are going to follow the living God with everything that you have, and you are banking on the character of God that You're basing your life on His character. He's a jealous God in that way. So, the second thing goes along with number one. Remember the character of God in Joshua's challenge. Number two, there are consequences to sin and disobedience. He says it here in verse 20. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, He will turn and bring disaster on you and make an end of you after He has been good to you. I tell you, you give me a choice. Do I want the goodness of God or the judgment of God? Give me the goodness of God. And may I humble myself before Him recognizing that I don't deserve God's goodness and I deserve death and hell because I'm an evil person deep within my own heart and and I'm selfish and I want what I want. I, I tell you, you say, oh, Pastor, I don't know about that. We're all good, deep inside our heart. Nah, we're, we're all selfish. If you've been married any length of time, tell me if this doesn't happen to you. Fellas, I know this happens to me. When my wife says, oh man, would you, my back is hurting, would you rub my back? You know what the first thing that I'm thinking of? I wish you would rub mine. That's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking, oh, I'm going to rub her back, then maybe I'll get one the next night. I'm just telling you, never do I think I'm going to rub her back out of goodness of my heart. I might say I'm going to rub her back because I love her and it's the right thing to do. But my flesh is saying, I want my back rubbed. I'm just being honest. But you see, he reminds them there are consequences to sin and disobedience. We we verbalize something, when we say to God, I'm committing my life to You, this isn't what is called cheap grace. It costs the Lord everything. It costs the Father His Son. And there are consequences to sin and disobedience in our lives. There is. You know, if there's one thing I can share with you after 30 plus years in being in ministry, no, number one thing I think, a lot of things, but the number one thing that I find that I, that I spiritually counsel people through and walk with them through and help them through is that so and have no consequences. But it doesn't work that way. You can want that all you want. But the law of the harvest is accurate and true. What a man sows, that he will reap. That's what it says. There are consequences to sin and disobedience. It might make you feel good right now. It might make you feel like, you know, you're, you're liking it and enjoying it, and it's freeing you up and and it, but but your decision to sin in this area has tremendous consequences and not just for yourself but for toward other people you know what whatever happened to my body my choice hmm, in this pandemic You know, that's what the pro-abortion people say. My body, my choice. What what I do with my body is between me and my physician. Well, I could say, you know, what I do with my face and putting a mask or not putting a mask is between me. And no, no, and they say, no, 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 because it can affect somebody else. Well, of course, abortion can affect somebody else. How about the baby? How about the brother or the sister of that baby? What about the grandparents that were deprived of a Precious grandchild. A lot of consequences. There are consequences to sin and disobedience. And he reminds them of that. Make sure you're careful. He was reminding them. Third thing he says. They mean something. In verse When I got married at 18 years of age, there were a lot of things in my life that needed, I needed to grow in. I needed maturity in a lot of areas. But there is one area that it was very clear to me what I was doing. And I'll never forget it. I, I don't know why it was just seared within me like that. I'm grateful that it was. It was burnt within my mind, my brain, my heart, my spirit. Everything. But I just remember that this covenant that you're making tonight before God and men, and that you're making to that woman is for the rest of your life. And it's not just words. It's serious. And in the same way, when we make a commitment to God that I'm going to serve God, it means something. And it will witness against you if you don't live up to that. It will tell on you. Look, let's just be honest, okay? We talk about pastors having slip of the tongue. You know why we have a slip of the tongue? Because there's some unclean stuff in us sometimes. I know, I know, but still, it still comes out sometimes. Right? Give you an example. Um, Tonight is the final airing of The Last Dance on ESPN. The Last Dance has been a what a five-week series on Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls, and it was about the 1998 season. And their coach termed it the Last Dance because they were breaking the team up. Coach wasn't going to come back. Michael Jordan wasn't going to come back. All of that. And they were going for their second second three-peat, 1998. So uh, they won three straight championships in the early 90s, and they were coming back after Michael Jordan had left to go play baseball. He comes back. ESPN airs two versions of that. One is an edited version that cuts out the ugly words. The other is the un- unedited version. And one of them's on ESPN, the other's on ESPN news. It took me a couple of weeks to figure that out. I didn't know that. I was like, why are they saying these words on TV? I'm trying to enjoy this thing and I'm having to listen to this stuff. And then I found out there was a clean version. And you hear these words, and even though you don't believe that you want to live it gets into your mind and heart. And it comes out. See, so commitments made to God, they mean something. It's in the heart. Deep within the heart. We're almost done here. Then He says to them, He says, throw away your false gods. He said it twice. He reminds them again. Throw away your false gods and your idols. In Verse 23. Now then, he says, throw them away. Throw away the foreign gods that are among you. Get rid of them. Preacher. We, we don't have any idols. I don't bow down to some little, some little graven image at the house and go, mm-hmm. I don't do all of that. Well, An idol can be anything that takes the place of God in your heart and life. An idol can be, listen to me, an idol can be your spouse. Envy. An idol can be your kids. You can worship your kids. An idol can be your hobby. You can worship that. You can be that. An idol can be your vehicle. the Bible says to throw it away and serve Him and Him only. That's what Joshua says. He said, you, you want to serve God? Then get rid of all this other stuff. And get serious. Your words mean something. And then number five, I love what he says here. because he This is where it all, this is, this is where it happens. This is it. This is the final thing. This is where it happens. Yield your heart to Him, He says. Throw away these foreign gods that are among you and yield your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. That word yield literally means to incline your heart. It means to stretch out. To spread out your heart. To open up. To extend. To bend. To be willing To open your heart and life and mind and spirit to God and all of His ways. Yield your heart to God. You know, when I first got saved, I had to do that. When I first got saved, I had to open up my heart to a new way of living. To a new foundation. Now, no longer would I I have a moral relative... Position for what I believe, meaning just from within me. If I think something's wrong, it's wrong. If I think it's right, it's right. Nobody's going to tell me one way or the other. In other words, after the book of Joshua, you find judges in the Old Testament, and they go from Joshua, and I'm going to say something about that in just a moment, but they go from Joshua to judges. In Joshua, they committed to living for God. And later on, in judges, it says every man did what was right in his own eyes at the end of the book of Judges. That's moral relativism. And when I got saved, I had to throw away that false belief system and say, well, what am I going to do now? I'm going to yield my heart. I'm going to open my mind and my heart to God's ways now. I've got a whole new way of living to learn. My life prior to that was about me, myself, and I. It was about retribution. It was about unforgiveness. It was about getting away with whatever I could to make me happy. Now it's just the opposite. It's it's about forgiveness. It's about what God wants. It's opening up your heart. It's yielding your heart to God and His ways and His words. And I'm forever learning what God wants me to do. Stretch out. Now, let me end with this. So it may seem like Joshua really didn't believe what the people were saying, and I established kind of what I think was going on there. Joshua had reason to press them even further. But to their credit, look with me in verses 29-31. through Look at this. This is beautiful. This is awesome. Look at this. To their credit, at the end of, of, of the book of Joshua here, it says, after these things, you know, Joshua, Joshua sent them home to their own places. After these things, Joshua the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110 years old. They buried him in the land of his, of his inheritance, at Timnath, Sirah, in the hill country of Ephraim, north of Mount Gash. I know everybody knows where that's at, right? Yeah, it's somewhere, it's somewhere over there. But verse 31, look at how beautiful this is. Israel, look at the word, Israel served the Lord. Okay, listen, what did Joshua say? Choose for yourself whom you will serve, whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So he challenged him. The people respond and say, we will serve the Lord. Joshua said, hold on now, check it out. Here's, it's, this is a serious thing about serving the Lord. You're witnesses against yourself, and they say, "Yes, we will serve the Lord." And look at the beauty of verse 31: Israel served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua, and the elders, and of the elders who outlived him and who had experienced everything the Lord had done for Israel. So here's the beauty of it: they lived up to their commitment. They did, the people who were alive then... Who said, Joshua, we will serve the Lord. And he said, This rock is going to be a witness against you. It will always be a a reminder that you made a commitment right here. And if you fail to live up to that commitment, that rock will testify against you. And the people said, So be it, but we're going to serve the Lord. And, you know, Joshua reminded them and he said, Look, he's a jealous God. He's a holy God. You don't mess around with God. You don't mess around with commitments made to him because he will destroy you. He's a serious God. And they said, We will serve the Lord. And guess what? they did. They did exactly what they said they would do. We give them a hard time, and we give Israel a hard time. But I'm telling you what, folks. Listen, I've been studying Joshua for years, and for some reason, I've read over verse 31 many, many times, and it never hit me like it hit me th- uh, this week and this morning as I'm presenting this to you. I- I've always felt, yeah, you know, Israel. Yeah, they they say they're going to serve God, and then and then oh, later on they don't, but. Not only did they serve him during Joshua's entire lifetime, but those who outlived Joshua, who were leaders of the nation, they all served God. The people who were living at the time that this commitment was made actually lived out their commitment. It's possible to do. It's possible. You know, as a pastor I hear it a lot of times in in the world that I live in, you know, man, you know preachers are falling like like stars, you know, falling from grace, you know, uh, having an affair and, and ruining their ministry and 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 on and on and on and on and on and on and on. Let me ask you this I, I I look up in the sky a lot at night, and you know brother Don Brookings, who's not able to to visit uh, to come to church right now, but in time they will be back um you know he brought his big old gigantic telescope for us to look through and we got to see all kinds of stuff got to see saturn and jupiter and all the stars and all of that And, and and the last that i checked there's a bunch of stars up there and every now and then you might see one falling so just because a star falls doesn't mean that they're all falling Just because somebody doesn't obey Christ and just because somebody doesn't live up to their commitment doesn't mean that there aren't a bunch of people living up to their commitment because there there are. There are a lot of people who are living for God. A lot. It might seem like not not a whole lot of people are anymore, but there are a whole lot of folks still doing it. So they yielded their heart to Him. They responded. Hey, listen, I end with this. You know what the greatest thing that for me as a pastor, the greatest thing, I got pastor friends, man, my church, my church gave me this for my anniversary. My church, hey, preacher, hey, Pastor Cory, what'd they give you? You know what I say? Faithfulness. Loving God. We ain't got big pockets in our church, deep pockets. We we got just hardworking people that love the Lord Jesus and are giving their money to serve God. I don't want nothing like that. One pastor, when he had his 20-year anniversary at a church in this area, they gave him $1,000 for every year that he was there. So I contacted Larry a while back, and I said, look, 25, 25 years, you know, last month. I said, You don't have to give me a thousand. I'll take a hundred. He goes, I give you a nickel for every year. I said, that's what I'm talking about. That's Jonesville. I love that. No. No. Let me tell you what the greatest gift that I can have. Here it is. John says, I have no greater joy. In 3 John, he says this, than my children walk in truth. I have no greater gift that can be given to me as a pastor. Then for the people, not just to attentively listen to the Word of God, but for the people to actually do the Word of God, for the people to actually live the Word of God in their lives, for the people to be obeying Christ and and, and living the life that God's called them to live, that is worth more to me than gold. That is the greatest gift that any pastor can have, not just that the people listen, but that the people respond in a godly way. And I believe that's what we have here at our precious church. A lot of people living for Jesus. We stumble along the way. Every now and then we, we got somebody living in sin, they shouldn't be. And, and that's we we just like we don't live in a germ-free world, we don't live in a sin-free world either. We all struggle from time to time. But my sweet, dear brothers and sisters in Christ. Let's not only be hearers of the Word only, but doers. Right? That's what it's all about. How many of you watch um, uh, Deadliest Cat? How many of you like that? Gosh, I thought maybe more of you would. You know what I'm talking about? The Alaskan crabbers? Deadliest cat? You know Captain Keith Colburn? his, His vessel, the Wizard, an old World War II ship that they turned into a crab boat. He irritates me sometimes when I watch him. And he does something that's, that gets under my skin, but whenever they start catching crab, and, and he goes, ooh, 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 that's what he does. I'm like, that's so dumb. Ooh, 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 you know. And he speaks it into the mic so his guy's on deck, and he go ooh, 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 and I'm like, you're, you're an idiot. I'm not being judgmental, but he's an idiot anyway. He does that. But the other day I was watching it, and man, it was like tears came to his eyes when they had pots full of crabs. And, 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 and he was, he would, ooh, 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 he was doing that. And he was, and he was crying while he was doing it. And I went, now that's cool. Now I'm starting to appreciate what he does now. So when my people, not my people, God's people, God's people respond to his truth, I'm going, oh, Captain Keith Colburn on you. Yeah, that's the way you live. Live it. Take it all in. Respond and do what he says and maybe something can be written about you and me one day. That after all they've been through, they stayed faithful to the word of God, even after the preacher died. That's what I'm looking forward to. Amen. What? Ooh. ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> Let's stand everybody. All right. Well, as you know, we're going to do our invitation just a little different. I mean, if you need to come speak to me, come on. I'm not. I'm not afraid. Um, but um, you know, let's continue to try to practice. So, I don't like to call it social distancing. We're going to call it physical distancing. But the altar will be open for you to come as God leads you. And maybe you've made some commitments and now is the time for you to make that public. Notice, Joshua challenged them. And They made a public commitment. And they lived it. Great encouragement to you. and Father, we thank You for Your Word. Thank You for our worship today. Thank You for Shelby, that she's going to be okay. And we ask that You would Continue to pour out your blessing on this sweet congregation. Hardworking, godly Christians. We just want to grow. Just want to obey you. We want to follow you. May okay, we be passionate about all that you've done for us. We're going to trust you, Lord, through all of this time. Even while we don't understand it all, and even when we so desire to go back to what we would call our normal schedule. But we're going to trust you on the timing. You've never given your life to Christ today. I know the vast majority of you in this building are Christians, but maybe. Maybe you haven't. You can do so right now by trusting Him as your Savior. So how do I do it, Pastor? Well, first of all, you can come speak with me and I'll walk you through it. Or right where you are, just call upon the name of the Lord. Recognize you're a sinner. you need Christ. We like to say it with our VBS kids, ABC, admit that you're a sinner. Believe that Christ lived, died, and was buried, and rose again. And confess, make it public. Confess him. ABC. Maybe some of you been you made the decision a while back. Or a renewal. But you're not, you haven't made it public. Look, you gotta got be bold, like the people were. In joshua's day they were bold to say yeah publicly yeah put that rock there yeah let it be a witness not just against us but for us for what we've done if you want to make that decision public today it's it's open to you just come see me here down at thank you father you're a good good father to us and we prayed in christ